This is Transistor.fm. Hey, welcome to Product People. Thanks for listening. We're going into part two of our interview with Noel Talk. He built a SaaS app on top of WordPress. And in part one, we talked about what was behind that. And in part two, we talk about how that actually worked out, how the app's doing, what challenges he had along the way, what advice he would give to someone trying to build their own SaaS app. He also has an interesting perspective on consulting and building an app at the same time. So keep listening. This show would not be possible without some really generous sponsors. Every time you visit a sponsor uh, or thank them on Twitter, you really help the show out. So if you've got some time, go and check out these guys on the web, sign up for an account, and give them uh, some thanks on Twitter. The hardest part about online advertising is figuring out what works. No ads reveals your competitors' campaigns, showing you exactly what's working for them. You get to see their successful ad copy and ad placements, keywords, and more. Go to productpeople.tv ads and sign up for a no ads account. If you're trying to set up an online store, you need to use Shopify. I've tried setting up dozens of online stores for clients, and there's always so many headaches. Payment gateways, multiple currencies, taxes, shipping rates. It's just a mess. Shopify solves all these problems for you. It's well worth it to sign up for an account. Go to productpeople.tv slash Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y, and get a 14-day free trial. And Sprintly's been there from the beginning. Perfect for teams of three or more people. Sprintly is the easiest way for managers and developers to track the software development process. You and your team can try Sprintly for free by going to www.sprint.ly. When you're ready to sign up for an account, I'll get you 10% off. Just use the code PRODUCTPEOPLETV2013. Okay. And and how big is the team right now? Well, the, the, the thing is the Happy, happy Tables as a product is, is part of the human-made company. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's basically, you know, we're a, t- we're a team of eight or so. Um, and whenever we have some downtime, we work on products. Okay. Um, I happen to always be on the product side. So I'm not only working on Happy Tables, but I'm also working on WP Remote um, and uh, Backup WordPress. Uh, which are two other products that we have. Hmm. So basically we just rotate through developers when they have downtime, when they're interested on working on something. It's all quite flexible. And so I guess it's a pretty fun work environment for anybody that's on the team. Yeah. And just because there's so much diversity. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people that are in that place. They're, they're doing consulting, especially maybe WordPress consulting. Um, It's all WordPress consulting. Yeah. And, so how can what can people expect? Like in terms of um, income, does does products provide half your income? Is it is it? Uh, oh no no no! Uh, it's certainly less because we have such a a good consulting business. The thing is, consulting is is, is a good gig. Um, mm-hmm. If if you're someone that already has the energy and the passion to create a product and to ship it and to see it through. Um, you know, chances are you're probably hardworking, you're, I'd like to say, reliable. Uh, you'd probably make for a good consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that 
um, you know, at that uh, rate, you'd probably be making, uh, you know, a decent daily figure, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you throw in some personal branding and, you know, you take care of your activities and you make sure you increase your rates. Um, there's definitely a, a safe play to be had there whereby you will be financially successful for, you know, a long time to come. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the product stuff is always a gamble, regardless, like, you know, the, the first product you'll release is probably be, you know, not what you expect financially, but it, it, it's pushing you uh, and it's challenging you in terms of how you think and what you, you know, the, the, the original can, preconceptions you had about creating a product sort of are all torn down and you build new ones just for them to be torn down again. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a great, it's a great learning process as opposed to maybe consulting where you really need to consistently get better and better clients or larger clients with more demands to sort of meet that challenge. Mm -hmm. And so you like, you like this mix because some people say, you know, you got to go all, all in on products, but it seems like you, you like doing both. Well, I'm all in on the product side of the business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, some, yeah. The partnership is working well, though. But having a company yeah, where there's consulting uh, revenue coming in and there's product income coming in. Yeah. 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 And uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. That's, that's the thing, you know. Um, ultimately, you know, you, you have to figure out what your goals are in terms of where do you want to be in 10 years, 20 years, whatever. Um, you know, do you want to be fighting between, you know, your uh, the difference between $100 million and $101 million in, in terms of salary? Or, you know, do you still want to be creating cool shit on a daily basis, working with a great team? Mm -hmm. um, not everything has to be, you know, front page tech crunch material. Mm -hmm. and, and you talked a little bit about some of your preconceptions that kind of got torn down after you'd launched the product. Can you share some of those? What were some uh, things? Build, build and they will come. <laughs> I think that's a classic like hole that everybody just falls into. Yeah. Um, you know, you got the great idea and you've executed it well, or you think you have at least, and you just think that, oh, okay, you know, like we we got this great product. Um, let's put it out there. People will come. And to be fair, we haven't done that much more. Um, marketing at all um, for Happy Tables. We've just gone about it in a smarter way, um, which has you know, helped bring in a consistent amount of traffic on a daily basis without having to pollute the web with more advertising or you know, try to um, send cold tweets or whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, basically just adding noise on top of noise. Um, I, th I think we've had a quite good organic response to the activities we've built around um, Happy Tables. And and what are those? Like, how are you bringing in more traffic? So one of the things we did early on uh, was build the betterrestaurantwebsites.com. Um, it's <laughs> a pretty tacky domain name. Um, <laughs> but, if, but if you think about it, Happy Tables itself doesn't have the word restaurant or websites in it. Mm. Um, so that was, that was something where we're like on, you know, at the beginning we're on page four or five for results like restaurant websites. Um, but then when we created betterrestaurantwebsites.com, uh, which is basically a collection of posts on how to create a better restaurant website, and, you know, it's all free and all that kind of stuff. It just has a note uh, there that we've built it. We built that page. 
Hmm. Um, we just get a lot of referral traffic from that, um, for one. Um, that's been really fun. When we launched that, it got, you know, it got retweeted around quite a lot, um, which was great. Sort of feedback was really positive there. Mm -hmm. That adds a lot to your, you know, your long-lasting brand if you want. It just, it, it shows a it shows that there's more to your business than, you know, just trying to pump out code and try to sell it as quick as quickly as possible. Um, so that was one thing that was really well received, and I think it still ranks like number three or four, you know, now for just restaurant websites as a keyword. And and what percentage of your organic traffic would come from something like that? Uh, probably like fifteen percent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll get like another like twenty percent from um, from links at the bottom of free websites that we have. So you know some users will 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 be on a on our free plan mm -hmm. um, because we have a free plan. We we believe in helping out restaurants at the very beginning um, when they literally have no cash or restaurants in third world countries that may not need to use all the features that we have, um, they can go ahead and just use Happy Tables for free. And when I say free, I mean free. You know, you can connect your domain to it if you have one. Um, hmm. So that doesn't come at an extra cost. Uh, but at the bottom of all those pages is, you know, a Powered by Happy Tables um, sign. Hmm. And that really helped us out a lot. Um, I think the case study from that came, or the inspiration for that came from Carbon Made. Do you remember that site? Oh, yeah. 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 So that's something that they did. And that worked out really well for them. And I pretty much just took that over one-to-one -one back then. And that's just been a great source of um, traffic because that's just that's just the one that's the one um, channel that just has the highest um, click-through rate from, you know, landing page to signing up for um, for just an account. Mm -hmm. And so you said 15% comes from betterrestaurants.com, uh, yeah. 20% comes from that footer link, and uh, where's the rest of that traffic coming from? Uh, that's just a mix of like referrals from websites we're just mentioned on, direct traffic or just organic traffic. Um, mm -hmm. We still rank really well for like WordPress-related keywords, which is a bit awkward since we don't have WordPress copy at all on our website. Yeah. Um, it's all gone, so... It's quite interesting that we still come up for um, WordPress restaurant theme and stuff like that. Yeah. And harder, harder a segment to sell to. Yeah. And and do you have a sense of what kind of channel converts the best? Um, yes. Um, the, the people that come in through the link, um, the Powered By link. The, the footer? They've seen the, yeah, the footer link. Because they've, they've seen the product at that point. They, they see what it is. They're like, okay. This is this. Um, maybe they're on a mobile device. Maybe they're on a tablet. Uh, don't see that it's responsive. That it all, it all works. Um, so that that you know partial win is already there. So they can just click on that link and you know just sign up and give it a play around themselves. Yeah. Um, so they already they already have that sort of buy-in if you want. I mean, obviously the 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 click-through rate on that link itself is ridiculously low simply because, you know, most people that visit a restaurant website are interested in its food and not the way it's built. That's right, yeah. And and what and what's a good conversion rate for people that do click? 
as as to from so that anyone that clicks on that yeah who who clicks on that footer link and actually signs up do you have a, a sense of that yeah so the ones that click on a footer link and then just sign up for a site so we're not even talking like paid or not paid because we haven't even bothered tracking that yet mm-hmm. um the last time i checked it was 37 percent. okay wow so quite yeah. high uh, much higher than any other sort of figure we have from anything else. Yeah. I mean, like something like Google or whatever, you know, just like pure organic traffic, um, depending on the country, will range anywhere from like, you know, I'd say 8 to 15%, maybe a little okay. higher. Okay. Huh. Well, I want to ask you a couple more questions. Uh, first, I want to talk to you about doing business in Europe. And then uh, I think we'll, we'll leave the audience with uh, some of your best tips for people that want to build their own products. Yeah, so, good. So let's talk about uh, you're running a business in Switzerland. Uh, the rest of your team is in the UK. Uh, are most of your customers in Europe? No, the, the majority of the customers are in English-speaking countries. Um, so basically, we have a number in the U.S., um, and then a smaller component in the UK, and then an even smaller component in Australia. Um, yeah, that's hmm. about it right there. And then it's just like the spread sort of mix around the rest of the world. Uh, sometimes we get little pockets like in Brazil um, or Germany, um, which is cool too, but it's, it's really like an English-speaking thing. Yeah, and, and has that been challenging to, to run the business from Switzerland? Um, yeah, I, it's, there's, there's, yeah, there's just pros and cons. Um, like, should I, should I go, should I move to Zurich and start my next product there? I <laughs> know, not if you're not, I mean, the, the thing is like the whole company and everything, even Happy Tables is incorporated in the UK. Okay. Simply because it's just that much cheaper to do. Yeah. Um, and we also just had better access to, to services. I mean, one of the things that, I mean, one of my reasons for doing it in the UK to begin with was just I, I knew that it'd be easier down the line um, to also just tap into third-party services that we may want to use. And case in point, we you know we now use Stripe, which mm-hmm. no one else in Europe can use at this point because it's only in the UK. Gotcha. So that's good. But on the other side, you know, you're 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 quite restricted from the whole sort of. Um, the U.S. market and the, the biz dev that goes on there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just let's say, you know, if, if you're living in San Fran or you're living in New York or whatever, um, you, you'll probably just have many more opportunities to come in contact face-to-face with uh, people that can provide distribution. Yeah. Uh, because on our side, we have a white-label program. So um, the, the cool thing about that is that... Uh, a third party, another company that maybe does reservations or does online ordering can take our product, integrate it into theirs, and completely run that um, as if it was their own. Hmm. And it's cool because, you know, then, you know, the reservation link and all that kind of stuff is just inside the website from the first minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, on the other side, the, the, the pros to being here is obviously that <clears throat> we have a, a much better chance at trying to go after the long tail um, that's present in a lot of the smaller countries. You know, I mean, Europe is, is very broken up into a lot of different areas, different languages. 
Uh, so there's an opportunity there to uh, hone in on those niches and just try to execute them very well um, in terms of providing the right language sets, maybe providing local integrations for reservations or online ordering. Um, and that's where we have access that maybe a player that's focused much more on the U.S. and is based out of the U.S. would just that would never come into their sphere of influence or you know their site at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I went to France uh, probably five years ago, and there was a lot of French restaurant websites that were still on Flash. So there's it, <laughs> it's obviously yeah. lots of opportunity. Uh, it's just it's just everywhere. I mean, the, the whole flash thing is just crazy. People yeah. People still ask for it today. <laughs> it's and, and then they're fine having a, a separate mobile website and yeah, uh, you know the, that's probably one of the larger challenges you know for a company like Happy Tables beyond location and um, the sort of oh well, yeah location um, is really trying to educate the user as to why they need happy tables in the first place. Hmm. Um, you know, like how are you going to start that argument you, or how can you sell uh, the advantages of happy tables in one or two sentences? Yeah. So yeah. That's, it's quite different. Yeah. Well, uh, Noah, let's, let's leave our listeners with some of your best tips or things that they should consider as they're thinking about launching their own product, what what would you say to someone that's just getting started? Uh, do not use Twitter Bootstrap. <laughs> oh, really? Why, why is yeah. that? I'm, I'm one of the first. I, I always get criticism for it too. Um, I don't know. I just I I I like it. I like the concept of it and the theory behind it's great. But I, I think in practice, um, it's it's been used for such like early MVPs mm-hmm. that it, it's almost become you know a, a stamp of the of the quality to expect behind the app yeah uh, I'm, interesting I'm quite, yeah so you think it's getting yeah. it's getting a reputation now as kind of like just an, out. Yeah. an early state like if you see bootstrap it's like a early stage not quite fully baked uh, application yeah, I mean, how hard is it to create a front end? You know, if you've already created an entire app, mm-hmm. um, HTML without CSS is really responsive. Yeah. So, you know, the, all you have to do is add a couple, uh, a little bit of styling here and there and come up with something that's more or less straightforward. And I, I think you can have a more compelling design um, and probably user experience too than, you know, just going right into the, the full load of, Twitter bootstrap. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. It's personal opinion, though. I, know, I mean, I know, I know people have all sorts of varying stuff on it. Um, obviously, if your app has a live demo, which, you know, you can just click on and then you see the entire app and, and that's mind-blowing, then great. Then it doesn't mm-hmm. even matter what you use. But, I mean, if, if your app is behind uh, two, three registration fields, then, you know, maybe you should have your own look and feel to it. Um, yeah. And if that means you have less stuff on your website, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. No, I like that perspective. Uh, is there anything else, any other tips that you'd give someone who's just starting out? Yeah, it's, um, I, 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 I mean, this, this goes back to what I was talking about before with the, the whole sort of soft side of the business, you know, where it, it, it's easy to create the, the app. It, it's easy to bang out the code. I mean, that's, that's experiences that 
we made anyway. It, it was like, okay, this, we're building our first big app, and that was really fun. Um, but then you break through that, so you know it's like the first year you're not really spending time um, trying to learn how to get users. You're more spending time learning how to build an app. Mm -hmm. um, and once you get past that, you really need to be able to move into this area where you're you're, you're starting to um, bring up the game of that app so that the user experience is you know is, is there too. And that's it's it's almost like saying, you know, you go 80% of the way, and then it's that last 20% that will take forever if you want to get it done right. Uh, mm -hmm. It's that final polish. And I I know people will disagree to a certain extent about, you know, at what point do you launch an MVP, and uh, you know, or at what point um, do you, do you, do you say, okay, this can wait to uh, for a later date. Um, I guess from my perspective, it's just it's something that um, the whole onboarding process for new users, um, the landing page, um, all these different things that have come to be expected, um, just play such an important role if you want to stand out as an app today. So it's almost like all these things need to be part of your MVP uh, to begin with, hmm. even if you don't have the best of, uh, design. That that whole sort of I mean, the microcopy and everything just needs to feel right. Uh, and that's something that it, it almost feels like a lot of the time you'll see an app that tries to solve uh, a particular problem, and it probably does that from a technical point of view. But none of none of this, uh, the scaffolding or, you know, the, the, the front-end code or the microcopy or anything around it is is really compelling enough to, to want you to say, okay, yeah, this sounds great. So that the hard part, is convincing people that it matters. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's, it's this kind of build quality that people have just come to expect, you know, because you, you look at apps, uh, the the fight on the app market uh, today, it, it's it's all about user experience. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's it's crazy to what extent people expect things to just be intuitive, work really well, be transparent, you know, no dark patterns, no weird. Uh, no large forms to fill out. Um, things should just connect automatically, and these things are just expected. Um, you look at a lot of video games today. Uh, some of them just have great onboarding processes, whereby they really teach and educate the user every step of the way as to what you need to do, mm -hmm. um, how you need to execute it, so that you're always feeling comfortable. You're always feeling uh, engaged, motivated to do things, as opposed to just being throwing the technology at you and say, okay, here, you know, go do your thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't no, know what you think. <laughs> no, I, I think, I mean, that's an interesting perspective because, um, I mean, I think one thing is that if you can find, if you can flip that and find people first, that, that might change things. Cause if you find people first and they have a particular pain, um, they might be more forgiving if if you're saying like I'm going to solve this thing and they're saying yes please like solve this thing and you say well I'm only going to be able to go 80% of the way there to start they might still be willing to say okay well 80% is better than than nothing for example yeah definitely I, I think for early adopters that's certainly like a, a true statement we've seen it with, with our our you know with happy tables too whereby. Um, we had a lot of users that used WordPress previously and then switched to our system. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just because they, you know, they had that early buy-in and they were early adopters. But the people that followed after, the people that, you know, they never heard of the story. They, they, they just landed on Happy Tables yesterday or before yesterday or whenever. Um, you know, what's their first impression? What are they? Um, what are they seeing as the added value? And it's, you know, what's what's the what's the build quality telling them about this product? Yeah, no, I think that after five minutes or after 20 minutes or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think that's a good perspective, actually, because there there is this high expectation and it'll depend on the audience, too. But, um, yeah, I I can see that. Like if if someone uses your product for five minutes and it's not compelling enough to keep going, then uh, you've essentially lost that person and they might never try again. Right, and it's it's just becoming more and more complicated in terms of the technology that we use to build websites. Yet, um, people are always expecting them to cost less, apps to cost less, everything to cost less, and be easier. Um, whereby, you know, we 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 still can't agree on how to deal with adaptive images, for instance. But now we're trying to find all these hacks for it. Um, there's there's so much stuff that happens on the front end that we're having to do you know, a hundred times over than we used to, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, it's just that much harder. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's, a, it's a tough position to be in when you're competing against, you know, such high quality um, everywhere around you. You know, it just takes that much more time to, to build a, the compelling aspect of your app as opposed to just the technology that solves the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Noel, I'd love to keep chatting, but we're out of time. Uh, cool. Thanks thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Well, where, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at Noel Talk on Twitter. At That's Noel Talk. Place. Yeah. Perfect. And, and if anybody has questions, they can just fire them right on Twitter. No problem at all. Beautiful. Great. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you, Justin. Hope you have a great day. My name is Justin Jackson, and I do the show every week, but I don't necessarily know who you are. I want to hear from you, why you're listening, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. You can get me on Twitter, at MIJustin, or you can email the show at productpeople at bizbox.ca. You can also follow the show on Twitter, at productpeopletv. The best way to join the Product People community is to join our email newsletter list. You can get there by going to productpeople.tv slash newsletter. Please check out our sponsors, No Ads. Go to productpeople.tv slash ads. Shopify, go to productpeople.tv slash Shopify. And Sprintly, go to www.sprint.ly. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.